Okay, is it just me or have you also considered just hopping onto other platforms so many times? It sounds like such a great idea to diversify your business with different social media platforms, but it's hard not to think about all of the additional work that's also going to be required. And honestly, sometimes it makes me want to run in the other direction. As creators, we're already always feeling the pressure of having to post three times a day on TikTok, share to Instagram stories, post to Reels, post to your feed. Honestly, the idea of adding more onto our plates that we're not even positive is going to be beneficial, especially when we're first building our presence on this platform. It's something that we can easily talk ourselves out of. But being in multiple places at once can be so beneficial for our businesses. There are so many people who consume content on socials that aren't consistently on Instagram or TikTok and want more long-form content like what we get on YouTube or even the value of what we get on a blog post. For me, it's always been YouTube. I've always wanted to start sharing my social media experiences and education on YouTube, but... It's a different platform from Instagram and TikTok, which are my main platforms, and honestly always gets put on the back burner. Mostly because, first of all, I'm intimidated by learning an entirely new platform and all of its logistics, also having to build an entire audience there from scratch, and, well, creating long-form content also kind of scares me. At the end of the day, all of the social media platforms out there offer some sort of different advantage, so it honestly makes sense that we want to dip our toes into all of them, but finding balance can be a challenge, and having a content plan or strategy that's balanced and sustainable for you to stick to is crucial, even mandatory. But how do we figure out what that looks like? I'm Kristen Busquet and I've been a full-time creator for over three years and have brought in over $350,000 from sponsored posts and content creation collaborations with brands so far. Social Scoop is the podcast where we teach you, the entrepreneurial creator, to turn your online influence and creativity into a profitable, self-sustaining business. Today, we're here with Austin Tassone, a New York City-based fashion and beauty content creator and influencer educator who knows a thing or two or pretty much everything about diversifying her social media presence with both search-based social media platforms and more algorithm-based apps and platforms. After launching her blog in 2012 and creating consistently while working as a magazine editor and a content director, Austin built up her platforms and quit her 9-to-5 to go full-time with content creation in April 2021. She's partnered with so many big brands like Kohl's, Glossier, Walmart, HelloFresh, and more. And Austin is passionate about teaching micro-influencers to value their work, build their dream audience, and make sustainable income from creating content. Today, we're diving into what it's like to find balance showing up consistently on multiple social media platforms. What performs best on each platform? How can you come up with a content strategy that allows you to put out valuable content consistently? How do you balance all of this content creation with having a life outside of these apps? We're giving you the scoop on all things building balance on multiple platforms as a content creator. This, my biz BFF, is Social Scoop. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 40 of Social Scoop Podcast. My name is Kristen Busquet, and I'm so, so excited that you're here. I can't believe we're 40 episodes in, you guys. It's wild. But before we get started, I wanted to give you this message. What we do isn't easy as creators, but I'm so proud of you for doing all that you do. Has anyone told you this recently? You have to make it a point to tell yourself that you're proud of how far you've come to. You've accomplished so much, and you probably don't take enough time to bask in the excitement of your accomplishments, because I know you're probably a lot like me, and you want to get on to the next thing. So instead of moving straight into the next thing that you want to pursue, take a moment to soak up where you are and the progress that you've already made. And just remember, Someone out there is proud of you. You should be proud of yourself too. I wanted to start off with that little message because I feel like we don't get told that enough as content creators. We're often unappreciated 
for all of our hard work. So just know that I see you and I know you're working hard. So much is happening on Instagram, you guys. It's honestly overwhelming. Every week when I get news, I see so much Instagram tests and Instagram news. And I'm always like, okay, I need more for the other platforms, but there's usually not nearly enough or any sort of comparison to Instagram. So, you know, go with the flow here with all of my Instagram news. So first of all, Instagram is working on the ability to pin reels. So we know that we can pin posts now right to the top of our profile. You will hopefully in the future be able to pin reels as well. So this will just pin a reel to the top of your reels feed, which again, use it the same way that you might use posts. I think it could be really cool to share like more intro posts or things that are important about you or your business that you want really everyone to look at first. Those are the things that you can be pinning. Also, I really love the idea of using the pinned spots on your feed or in the Reels tab once this is released as an area where you could put a sponsored post and charge an additional amount of money per week or per month that you leave that post pinned. Instagram is also working on the ability to highlight hobbies on your profile. So under your bio, It will ideally at this point, what we see is that you're going to be able to view hobbies or interests that other people have checked off that they have. So some examples that they gave kind of random were grilling, PlayStation, Imagine Dragons was another one. (laughs) So there are, it seems like a lot of different things that you'll be able to choose from. And I honestly, this is as far as I've gotten any sort of news about this. So I have no idea like what it's going to be like with those different hobbies. So I, what I'm thinking, here's my prediction, is that like if grilling is one of your hobbies, you will be able to click on that and see other people who have put that as their, their hobby as well. So I, that's kind of what I'm thinking because I feel like they're trying to bring people together and, and it would be weird if you couldn't click on that and see who else said they like those hobbies, you know? I'm curious to see what happens with that. I can see it being kind of cool, but, you know, we'll find out. (laughs) Instagram is also working on the ability to make subscriber-only posts visible to everyone. Now, stay with me for a second. (laughs) When I first read this, my first thought was, why would I want a subscriber-only post to be visible to everyone if the subscribers are paying for exclusive content, right? Like, it, it doesn't make any sense, but I understand what they're trying to do here. So let me explain a little bit further. You can choose up to three posts to make visible to anyone as a preview of what they would get as a subscriber. So it's almost like a freebie or a little taste of what you would get if you were to subscribe to this person's Instagram you know, subscription service. So I, I understand that because I will say I actually saw someone who had the subscription feature and I was like, oh, cool. Like I want to see what they're offering because I'm curious how people are going to use this. And it didn't give any information about what I was going to get. It was just like, yeah, pay $4.99, you'll find out. And I was like, well, no, I want to know, I want to try before I buy. So I can actually see this being a tool to help us be able to get more subscribers once they're able to get a little bit of a taste of what is actually going to be in the subscription. Now, people who don't subscribe can't comment or like that post. It literally is just like a little, here's here's what it's going to look like. You'll see it, but you can't do anything with it. So if you are really thinking about using the subscription feature, this is really good to know. This is a really, really big piece of news. I think it's huge. It could be really, really detrimental to a lot of third-party platforms out there that we probably are already using. Instagram is working on the ability to schedule posts and reels directly in the app. So instead of having to use later.com or Planoly or Unum or all these different platforms where you can schedule your reels and your posts, you will actually be able to do this directly in the app. Now, from what I have for information so far, it's really only a tiny, tiny bit. This was just, just leaked. You can schedule posts anywhere from 20 minutes out to 75 days out. So you can plan a couple months in advance or you can just, you know, if you're heading into work and you want something to post in 30 minutes, 
you can let it auto post there as well. And this also kind of like says something to me too, because we've been conditioned to not post in ghosts, right? You know, like Instagram has always told us, you know, you need to be active when you're posting so that people can, you know, interact on your post. You can get more reach. You know, we're going to push it out to more people if we see that there's more activity right away. And so the idea that they're allowing us to kind of schedule things almost makes me think they're kind of shifting away from that because obviously, you know, scheduling, people are going to schedule whether they want to post and ghost or not. You know, like that's just the nature of being (laughs) consistent on social media. But I am definitely very curious to see what happens with algorithm changes and actual interactions on posts when they are first released. So we'll see what happens there. I did have one piece of YouTube news, and this is especially relevant if you're listening to the rest of this episode because we are going to talk a little bit about YouTube. YouTube is actually launching a new editing system to help creators turn long-form content into YouTube shorts. YouTube Shorts, if you don't know yet, are basically the equivalent of an Instagram Reel or a TikTok video. It's short form video content. And this is basically an update to their studio editor where it's a trim feature that you can basically like cut small segments of your long form video and, you know, download it right from YouTube and put it right onto Shorts. So if you are listening to the rest of this episode and you're like, dang, I really am thinking about getting on YouTube this is going to be a really great tool for you to have because you can use long form content on YouTube as well as shorts from the same video in the same app. You can do all of the editing, which I think is really, really great. It's a time saver. It makes things a lot more efficient. So if you want to learn more about that, we have the link to the show notes in the description where you can actually just check out a little bit more about the updates that they're making to their studio editor so that you can be more consistent on shorts as well. And if you're thinking about shorts and you're like, Kristen, don't throw another platform on my plate, then listen to the rest of this episode because that's what we're talking about. We're going to dive into what it's like to actually balance multiple platforms and how you can make it work without being very overwhelming. Because honestly, that is something that has stopped me from getting on, you know, something like YouTube or I hired someone to do my Pinterest, you know, instead of doing it myself, because I'm just like, I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I don't have that many ideas. But Austin actually goes over a lot of really helpful things that will make it easier for you to actually be consistent on multiple platforms without running around like a chicken with your head cut off. So without further ado, meet Austin. All right, guys, we are here with my friend Austin today. I'm so excited to have her because she is really someone who utilizes so many platforms and does it so well. So I know that she has so much to offer you guys and you're going to learn so much from this episode. So Austin, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Kristen. I first heard you on Emma and Maddie's Content Creatives podcast, and I was very excited to discover that you also had a podcast. So I have been doing a dive into your backlog of episodes (laughs) and really enjoying it. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, they are. They're great. And I love their podcast, too. I was very excited to be on their podcast. It's cool how like everyone is in the same kind of little community, but like so many people that you don't even know exist, but you just like have to find them somehow. So I love it. (laughs) Yes, I love that we can find our people through the internet. It makes me so happy. (laughs) Honestly, I think about it all the time. And I'm just like, it's crazy how so many of my like closest friends are friends that I've met on the internet. Absolutely. (laughs) It's so weird. The the times have definitely changed. So let's just kind of get started for anyone who isn't, you know, doesn't know you yet and is going to get to know you today. Tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do, how you got started, all of the good stuff. So I am a New York City based fashion and beauty content creator, and I'm also an influencer educator. My whole journey began about 10 years ago when I started a blog in 2012. But to give you the last 10 years in less than 60 seconds. (laughs) I first started a blog because I was really interested in fashion, just wanted to get into the world and kind of create my own content to just see what it would be like. I ended up going on to intern and then work at a bunch of magazines here in New York City. I went on to be an editor at Nylon and Interview. I was a print editor though, so I experienced some layoffs. Mm. Did the freelance writer thing for a little while too. So I've been published in places like Refinery29, Fashionista, Teen Vogue, HuffPost. 
And then I actually went on to work at a tech startup for a year and a half. I was the beauty content director for a social media platform. So it was really interesting to finally be in the digital content space, see it from more of a marketing perspective. That was a big shift for me, someone coming from the traditional editorial space. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, I really just always wondered what it would be like to bet on myself and actually like have an LLC and actually fully focus on content creation and not just do it on the side while I was trying to be a freelance writer. So in April of 2021, I took my content creation full time. And that's what I've been up to since. I love it. It's crazy how I feel like we kind of grew up in the same era of the internet where just like so much has changed. And and we've gone through because like I we've talked about this before, like I have a pretty similar journey of like, you know, things that I've done in my career. And it's so weird to think about like, 10 years ago, what the internet looked like and what marketing looked like and PR looked like. It's it's just so different. But I feel like we're the generation that's really like going through this whole social media is literally like so important and so huge. Like we're the first kind of real generation to go through that. And I think it's so interesting how so many people in the traditional editorial space are now really trying to embrace social media. But when I was working at magazines, that wasn't necessarily the case. It was like our social media manager does the social media account and that's it. Like, but now it makes so much more sense to have editors be the faces of these brands to like kind of give personality to a publication. And I feel like the digital first ones always got it and the print ones are finally kind of catching up. So I'm always interested in seeing how that space evolves too. And I just feel like digital is the place to be. Yeah. I mean, like there's absolutely no denying it. Like you can't have a brand or a business or even be any sort of entrepreneur without being active in digital. And like, that's actually something I want to talk about today is like, I talk to so many, I see so many reels. I talk to so many creators who are just like, you know, I run a jewelry business, but like, I didn't know that I was also going to have to be a content creator. You know, all these people who like are expected to basically just like be in so many different places at once. Obviously, it's overwhelming because they're also trying to run their business, but now they need this whole presence on social media. So what do you feel like for businesses or for creators? Like, Obviously, we know that it's important for them to be on socials, but like, how can we manage being in so many different places at once? Well, I think that's just the thing is it takes a lot of time and practice and establishing systems to feel like you can be on so many different platforms at once. And I think that today where there is just so much talk on the internet, oh, you're not on YouTube shorts, what are you doing? You haven't posted three TikToks a day for the last year, you've missed out. Like, there are just a lot of people saying a lot of different things. And I think what we forget is social media should start with you and what you're most interested in and what you're great at creating. So sometimes people will say, well, I think I want to be a creator, but I don't want to actually, you know, have to take photos or show up on video. Great, start a blog someone who could talk on the phone for two hours. Maybe you should do a clubhouse room or a podcast. I really feel like there's something for everyone. And when you're first starting out, being really good at one thing is so much better than trying to spread yourself thin, being on every platform that you feel like you need to be on, trying to hop on trends that just don't work for you. And I think to your point too, about how business owners have started to realize the need to create content there have just been so many kind of unintentional influencers who have popped up in the last two years because of mainly TikTok and then also to some extent like Instagram reels, you know, we just have, we have so many tools at our disposal. It's easier than ever to create content. And there's a place for more lo-fi, low production content like TikTok, where trying maybe doesn't always work out as well as not trying. (laughs) Why is that? (laughs) I don't know. I I posted a TikTok today with that audio about, ooh, that's so cringe, where I was like, I try for my TikTok videos, and I feel like that's not the (laughs) cool thing to do. And But then there are platforms like YouTube where some creators have been intimidated previously because of the high production value, the long-form content, the editing, and the skill set you need to learn to do YouTube. 
But then they roll out shorts and now it's like, well, now you can now they have shorts. Yeah, exactly. So I really feel like first just asking yourself, what am I most interested in? If the thought of sitting down and filming a 20 minute talking video just gives you nightmares, (laughs) then don't do that. Focus on what you love and focus on where your community is, too. I think that that is a big thing to consider as well. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a a few great points here. First of all, I, I love that you're saying like, you should be in a lot of places if you can, but like you don't have to be in every single place. I think it's actually like kind of impossible to be literally in every single place, you know? At the end of the day, being a creator and like actually building a business out of this, I think it has to be sustainable above everything else, you know? Like you can't, I was just talking to one of my students about this the other day because I was saying like, I got started not talking about social media, not being, you know, like a creator coach or anything. Like I got started posting fashion content. And for me, I was doing it because I was like, well, I really like fashion. So like, of course, I'm going to post fashion content. But the more things started to evolve and I was like, okay, people are making like try on videos and stuff now. I did it for a while and I hated it. Like creating content that type of content was so miserable for me. And it was such a big project that every time I had to go do it, it was, I didn't like it, you know? And and at the end of the day, like, yes, this is a job, but also this is a job where we have so much flexibility and like, we should be able to have fun and really enjoy what we're doing because there are so many options. So like, I think it's important for creators to know, like, try different things. And then whatever you find to be sustainable for you, I think is a great path to go down. But I also loved when you said too, like, you can be really good at one thing, and then kind of go from there. And and I feel like that's almost how I built my platforms, you know, like, I started really just on Instagram, like, and eventually, Mm -hmm. what I did was like, okay, once I had a pretty strong community there, and I made a TikTok, it was so much easier for me to build on TikTok, because I already had this community on Instagram that I pretty much just like brought over and same with the podcast. You know, I had this community on Instagram and a community on TikTok. So now when I tell them to go listen to the podcast, it's it's not like I'm starting from zero. Yeah, I think that the art of either a knowing like just your core content pillars, like knowing what you love to talk about and talking about it well and kind of translating it to those different platforms. Yeah. And then B, attempting to kind of move that audience across platforms to our really important things for content creators to strategize and think about because you can have one topic that you create content about, but you might interpret that topic differently on a platform like Instagram versus TikTok. Yeah. And I know a lot of creators who have huge followings on TikTok who have struggled to bring people over to Instagram. 100%. And so in that sense, you want to think about what is it you're offering on TikTok? What would entice someone to go over and look at your Instagram in the first place? Because if you're on TikTok, you're probably there just to explore and discover yeah. and, you know, kind of keep yourself on the app, or at least that's me when I spend an hour <laughs> just scrolling my Same. For You page. I'm like, oh, I'll open the app real quick. And then it's like two hours later. I'm like, how am I still here? And why am I watching videos of someone making necklaces? Like, how did I end up here? (laughs) Exactly. And so one thing I think about when I'm scrolling TikTok is if I end up leaving for any reason to kind of just take note of why that was. Like I got Mm. served a clean talk video with this thing that you use to clean your dishwasher. (laughs) This has nothing to do with content I create, but like (laughs) you run the dishwasher on empty with this liquid inside and it cleans your dishwasher. I left TikTok, I added it to my cart on Amazon, and then I came back to TikTok. And I was like, that actually sold me that product. And I was willing to leave TikTok because it was presented as like a really useful, affordable solution to something that I hadn't even thought about. And then suddenly was grossed out about thinking about how I hadn't (laughs) cleaned my dishwasher. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so I think that that is That's what's interesting about TikTok is it allows that kind of discovery and it's obviously controlled by an algorithm versus a searchable platform. There's a lot stronger user intent when you type something into Google or when you search for something on YouTube because you know that you came there to look for a specific reason. And for that reason, I think it's easier to make a sale kind of like that from a platform like YouTube or your blog because people were already searching with the intent to 
find a solution, how to clean your dishwasher is an example. Yeah. And then the product is right there. It's seen as a solution. It's not seen as something, an ad in your face that you didn't ask for, as a lot of content can feel like on these algorithm controlled platforms. So yeah, I mean, you bring up a really great point there that these platforms are, they're similar in so many ways, but they're also so different in so many ways. So like, tell us like, what is the difference between like those two different kinds of platforms and like, you know, which platforms are which like, give us a little bit more info on that. Totally. So algorithm controlled platforms, I mainly use TikTok and Instagram as the two big Mm -hmm. examples where you open with the intention to explore and discover. Of course, there are some people who you follow and, you know, your home feed on Instagram is traditionally who you're following. And then your friends um, tab on TikTok is who you're traditionally following. But the explore page on Instagram and the for you page on TikTok allow you to discover new things, get inspired, and you go to those platforms, not really usually with any intention other than to kind of just look around, be entertained, be inspired, right. et cetera. If you think about searchable platforms, which I say Google and YouTube are the two big searchable platforms, and I do consider Pinterest, Pinterest a searchable yeah. platform, but I do think it's kind of more bridging the gap between a social media platform and a searchable platform. Right. Right. You know, you go to Pinterest, like with the intention to save content, to look for ideas, to get inspired with outfit ideas or wedding planning or like whatever it is that you want to go there for. And the cool thing about searchable platforms is when you type in a search query, you are going to get the best results from like all time. It doesn't have the same limited lifespan that content on Instagram and TikTok has. Very good point. Because usually the lifespan on those platforms is a few days, maybe a few weeks with a few rare exceptions. But I have content that I've created on YouTube like three or four years ago that still ranks number one in the search results for certain terms. That's awesome. Because it's still the best and most relevant content that the you know, that Google and YouTube's algorithms are ranking. Right. And it doesn't matter if it's old as long as it still is helpful to people. And they measure that, obviously, by a ton of things like retention. Do people watch all the way through? Are they leaving comments? Do they send it? Do they come back and rewatch it later? So that's why I feel like the user intent on searchable platforms is a lot stronger, not to mention the lifespan of that content. Mm -hmm. You just get a bigger return on your investment for creating. So, I mean, you kind of like got my wheels turning a little bit with that because I am on most, like most of my content lives on the more like algorithm-based platforms, TikTok, Instagram, whatever. Now, do you feel like creators should be on kind of like a mix of the two? Like maybe being on like Instagram and YouTube or like TikTok and have a blog for Google search? You know, like, do you feel like that would be more beneficial to kind of like dip into both different categories? Definitely. I think that it, it can only help you. It really can't hurt. And you can make it very easy for yourself even. Like say you already create great content on TikTok and you've got an audience there. You can transfer that content over to YouTube Shorts. And the crazy powerful thing about YouTube Shorts that I'm kind of just discovering, I'm a total Shorts newbie, but one of the things that I'm learning and loving about Shorts is that I have all of the same capability and functionality of a short that I have with my traditional YouTube videos as well. Mm. I can give it a searchable title. I can add cards. I can pin a comment with a link back to like one of my longer videos, for example. I can add tags almost like, you know, how you add hashtags on TikTok, but I can add those tags as well. And I can add a full video description just like I can on a YouTube video where I can put multiple links. I can put my other social media platforms. I can link to my filming equipment. That's awesome. It's just so powerful. And like, that's why I have always been a fan of YouTube is because they give creators so many different ways to put the correct information to help that like algorithm correctly identify the right content and then where to serve it and who to put it in front of. And you just get so many more opportunities to do that on YouTube than you do on TikTok. It makes sense. It's just so much more of like a chance with the algorithm. Like I can't tell you how many times I see stuff on my Instagram or my TikTok, like, you know, the FYP or the Discover page, whatever, that I'm just like, why why is this being shown to me? Like I don't, I have no interest in this. But it's true, like when you're on something like YouTube and you type something in, like you're getting results that are going to answer the questions that you have. So 
that totally makes sense. It's interesting because I've always like, I've always wanted to do YouTube, but I'm, I feel like a lot of other people feel the same. Like I'm very intimidated by it. And another thing that kind of scares me with YouTube as well is like, I know monetization on Instagram and TikTok so well that I feel like YouTube monetization with working with brands, but also just their internal monetization is so different. And it's intimidating to me to have to like learn a whole new thing that, but also I feel like it also, I don't know, like I'm also very intimidated by the logistics, I guess, of YouTube. Like I'm not intimidated by recording a video. I record videos all day long, but it's just like, the idea of, I don't know what keywords, where keywords should be and like, what is the best way to do, you know, it's learning a whole new platform is like so intimidating. I feel like YouTube is the most intimidating. Well, and it is almost like learning a new language. And, you know, I, whenever someone asks like, oh, what's one thing you wish you had done sooner or like a mistake you made along the way, Mm -hmm. I can confidently tell you that ignoring SEO was my biggest mistake, like actually, because I started a blog in 2012 and really just had, you know, an okay, like very, very little consistent audience month over month, but I was never really growing. And during the pandemic, I had more downtime to like really understand and learn what does it look like to have a blog with like 100,000 monthly page views. I got to see a lot of case studies. I learned so much more about especially passive revenue and ad revenue, which I think is one of the other big benefits of these searchable platforms because, you know, my YouTube AdSense like definitely outweighs my Instagram Reels bonus each month. And Uh, I think that, I know. (laughs) Instagram didn't make that very hard, honestly. I feel like their their Reels bonus is, is a joke at a certain point. Yeah, exactly. But to be able to consistently make that ad revenue and again, to look at my analytics and see that a lot of it is coming from videos from like two years ago that are still bringing in subscribers and that you're still being able to monetize. And there are some bloggers who can make like six figures just from their ad revenue on their blog, which I think is crazy. And I think the thing to remember about YouTube and the blog is it is more time. You know, you want to write good lengthy blog posts, you want to create high quality YouTube videos. I'm not saying it doesn't take time. I mean, it could take me anywhere from like four to eight hours to produce one YouTube video, but the return on my investment over time has been so much more significant than if I've ever spent like two hours filming one Instagram reel as an example. Exactly. It's funny, as you were talking, I was writing, I always write down notes so I don't forget like what I want to say next to you. And I literally just wrote the same thing down. It's like, it's more of an investment now because it's more to produce. It's more work. It's time, energy, logistics, learning, all of this, all of this kind of stuff that you have to invest now. But imagine if on Instagram, like no one's looking at anything you posted two to four years ago, never mind two weeks ago. Like, that's a crazy, crazy difference. And again, if you can be making passive income, I think passive income for creators is like the key to making this work as a business. Because at the end of the day, like we can continue to pump out content, of course. But first of all, you know, it's exhausting on Instagram and TikTok when they want you to post three times a day versus making one really great YouTube video. Like, it's such a difference there. And I, I it almost like the more we talk, the more I'm talking myself into doing YouTube. But again, like the whole SEO thing kind of really throws me off. Now, you actually have an, a new offering of SEO, right? I would love to actually hear about it for my own benefit, but I'm sure everyone else listening is curious too. <laughs> yeah, of course. So like I said, my SEO journey really began two years ago when I was like, wait a minute, this is blowing my mind. And I read right. books, I took courses, I watched you know YouTube videos. I spent so much time just trying to get as much information about this as I possibly could. And I recently launched an SEO workshop. It's called what you really need to know about SEO because I wanted it to be <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that exactly. And like no fluff, like no more, no less. This is for the person who maybe has, you know, a blog domain, but they've never written any posts because they feel intimidated or mm-hmm. someone who wants to start a YouTube channel or maybe has been blogging or trying different things, but not getting a lot of traction to just 
figure out how to get your content in front of the right people. That's honestly what SEO is. And that's why at the end of the day, I just love the concept of it so much. It's like helping your ideal audience find your work. So within the workshop, I teach the whole keyword research process that now I use and that I've learned across my platforms, which has helped me get my blog into an ad network so I can now monetize my blog with ads. Mm. It's helped get me into YouTube's partner program and helped me double my YouTube subscribers in just a year. So I really feel like this is for anyone who wants to get involved in searchable platforms, who's been feeling like they're on the algorithm hamster wheel and feeling like they just aren't seeing the real return on that content that they've been hoping for. So the workshop, like I said, teaches that keyword research process and then shows how to apply it to a blog, a YouTube channel, and a Pinterest account. So if you're not sure which one of those platforms yet you want to be on, I think even just seeing how the process works for each platform can help you determine where to spend your time. Because again, maybe it's not worth your time to have a Pinterest account, you know, like maybe... Yeah. Doing a YouTube channel is just like not going to be as fast as writing great blog posts. So it's really figuring out your strengths and which one you like the best. And I am on all three now and have kind of figured out like systems for how to stay consistent on those platforms now. But there certainly were times in the past where I was not consistent on them at all. And you want to be able to. Well, that's the other thing I actually love about SEO, too, is you can get away with a lower frequency of posts, but it's going to be a higher quality versus maybe filming three TikToks a day does actually work. But of course, they're probably going to be more quick things. They might be trends and there's nothing wrong with that either. It's just the question of even the value of a TikTok follower who might spend 15 seconds with you versus the value of like a YouTube subscriber who might spend 20 minutes with you. Mm, that's another really great point. You're really just adding more onto my list of like, okay, you should do this, you should do this. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I feel like everything you kind of just talked about with, you know, these more like search based platforms, blogs, Pinterest, YouTube, it's, it's a lot of like, work smarter, not harder. Yes. You know, like, obviously, you're gonna be working hard no matter what. But like, I think one of the biggest things that I hear from creators is just like, oh, I'm so burned out. Uh, And another thing, too, is, oh, I don't know what to post because we have to pump out three ideas a day for one platform. Like, that's not easy to continue to think of ideas, you know? So, like, it makes such a good case for, you know, a YouTube blog kind of thing because, again, I think you just, you're able to, like, put more quality, more work, more value into one really strong piece of content that's going to live on so much longer and bring you, you know, so much more of a passive income or a passive return. Mm -hmm. So I love that. But you did mention that, you know, you're, you're still on the other platforms, obviously. Do you find that there is like a different type of, I don't know if type of content is the right way to say it, but like, are there certain things that you can do on TikTok that would not work on YouTube, for example? Like, Obviously, we know that the duration of the content is very different. But like, do you find that there's different types of content, different things that performs best on each platform? And then also, do you repurpose some of that stuff for platform to platform? Oh, my gosh, definitely. I think to the first question about what content to go on which platform is that Mm -hmm. your audience and your analytics, again, are your friend, you know, you can actually go in and see what your top performing videos are or blog posts or YouTube videos or whatever it is. And what I learned and my YouTube journey started in 2017, where I was posting anything and everything. I was creating vlogs. I did fashion hauls. I did beauty tutorials. Okay. And then in 2020, I went back, looked at my analytics. I saw what was working and I continued to just create the two types of videos that were working best for me, which at the time were beauty product reviews because I would get them in advance as a beauty creator and be able to plan the video for when the product came out, which would give me a big view boost. And also my content creator tips. And after about a year of creating both of those types of content, what I realized was the beauty product reviews on the surface got so many more views than the content creator tips did. But if you looked at my retention, Mm. it dropped off after that. I didn't get as many subscribers because they were kind of just interested in that one product. And maybe I didn't hook them enough to get them to like subscribe to my channel, for example. 
but the content creator tips, my retention was a lot stronger and I was getting a lot more subscribers and ad revenue from those videos. So last August, I made the decision to transition my whole YouTube channel to just content creation tips. And that's what accelerated my growth by niching down. I was able to double my subscribers. I just hit 10,000 YouTube subscribers this past Congrats. month. Thank that's you. Awesome. And that was because I saw what was working and I just kept doing more of it. And so right. in that way, I think you can take that advice and apply it to any platform. But then in terms of the idea of repurposing, I think this is so great because I feel like you can go look at, say, for example, your best performing YouTube video and think about if I could summarize this in like one minute, how would I take this topic and talk about it in one minute? This is actually an exercise I used to do in college, where I think for one of my creative writing classes, we wrote a three page story, then we had to turn it into a 21 page story. And then after we did that, we had to turn it into a one page story. That's a lot. <laughs> I actually loved that exercise. And I actually feel like it translates so well to content creation because you could think about definitely what is a three minute TikTok that I could create from this YouTube video? What's a one minute Instagram reel I could create? And then what was the YouTube video? So mm. taking that one takeaway from that YouTube video could end up being your top performing TikTok, like what, and then you put the TikTok spin on it, you know, you have a hook, Yeah. you add maybe a trending sound, you add some hashtags, and you make it for TikTok. But you didn't have to come up with a brand new, perfect original idea, you got to take something and reinterpret it, which I think is so helpful. Right. And I'll also share another thing I do, which is sometimes I'll take my YouTube videos and upload the audio from the YouTube videos into a transcription service. I use one called Otter AI, but there are definitely like tons out there that you can use. Okay. And I'll use that transcript as the basis for a blog post because that way I already mm, have that's smart. Like maybe 2000 words in a Google doc. And of course I go in and I get rid of any ums or any calls to action right. to subscribe to my YouTube channel because that's not going to go to blog posts. <laughs> um, but I did that today. Today I published a blog post about how to be more confident on camera, basically using the script that I had had in my YouTube video. I love that. That's, I mean, again, work smarter, not harder. That's, I feel like the best way to, to really make it work. <laughs> totally. Um, I love that idea though, of like taking the words from the video. I actually use um, for the podcast, I, I do something similar where I record it um, and then I upload it and edit it in a service called Descript. Oh, great. And Descript is cool because you can actually like, you can take out, you can type in like a um and it will find all the ums and you just hit delete and it will delete all of them. So it's like, very quick and easy. Um, but it's so smart. Like you already have it written. Why would you not take it? I'm, I'm asking myself, why would I not take it and put it into a blog post? Hello, it's literally already right there. Um, I love that though. That's a really smart idea. So I'm curious as someone who's on all of these platforms and, you know, you're, you're repurposing content, you're, you know, you're obviously still working very hard. What does your schedule look like? What does your system look like to get all of this content out? Because again, like, I think you are doing it in a way that's very efficient, but like, you're still creating a lot of content. <laughs> I totally relate to this. Yeah, I thank you for saying that. I think that the big thing for me is committing to a very strict schedule with my blog, YouTube channel, an email newsletter, like those okay. three things to me, it's like YouTube videos on Tuesdays, email newsletter Wednesdays, blog posts on Fridays, like no questions asked. That is once a week, I want to be posting on those platforms. Mm -hmm. And then giving myself permission to be a bit more lax and a bit more spontaneous with content on TikTok and Instagram is like definitely been a big game changer for me. I I try not to like keep too many things in my TikTok drafts anymore. I'm like, if I made it, I should just get it out. Like it doesn't yeah. matter if I post two today and then I skip tomorrow. Like it's it's a little less pressure, at least that I need to put on myself. If you if TikTok is your main posting platform and you want to be showing up consistently every day, you should totally go forward and do that. Right. And then the other thing that I really love doing is just scheduling content. So for Pinterest. That is where I am the best right now about scheduling my content. I use later to do that, but you can use, I think Pinterest even has like built in, you can schedule pins now when you go to publish them. Yeah, I think they do. And there are obviously a ton of other tools you can use as well, but I try to schedule at least one static pin a day. So maybe promoting okay. a blog post or a fun photo that I shared with 
you know, links to my outfit on like to know it or whatever that is. And then I post idea pins whenever I have time and whenever I'm able to. And idea pins tend to just be repurposed reels and TikTok videos. Yeah. So I think that having a few places where like you're really consistently showing up and I do think on your blog and YouTube channel in particular, that's really important. And then a few places where you can feel just a bit more creative. And yeah, I mean, Instagram to me, like is my catch all platform, you know, it's for fashion, it's for beauty, it's for life in New York City, and it's for the behind the scenes of content creation. And I'm sure that I could grow faster on Instagram if I kind of picked a lane. But for my creativity and for my community, I want to keep it a place where I can be my full self, you know? Right. Well, I think also for your mental health, too, you know, like, gosh, yeah, because (laughs) that's that's a whole nother conversation but I mean like not putting too much pressure on yourself to be so perfectly consistent on every platform I think is a really smart thing to do because I don't know I as someone who's like a very type a like I like to if I'm gonna do it I want to do it the best I can it's very hard for me not to be like okay well if I'm gonna be on TikTok I have to be perfect on TikTok like I have to have to post three times you know like And so I think that's, for me personally, like a a mental block that I'm always trying to get through. But I like the idea of having certain platforms that you can just feel a little bit more chill on because then it like brings the fun back into what we do. Because again, like so many of us creators are turning this into a business, but it almost at certain points can kind of like take away why we enjoy it. And so it's very, I think it's very smart of you. And it's very important that we are like having that space for just like whatever you want to post about, like just more creativity or like, again, like you said, you know, you know that on YouTube, your creator tips are where it's at. And so that's great that you're perfectly consistent there. But like, what if you get a new outfit and you want to share it? You know, it, it would, it would be like so hard not to share it on YouTube. But now that you have, you know, Instagram, for example, as that creative space, I think that like allows you the the balance, I guess, that you need as a creator. Yeah, absolutely. And I have talked about this, I think in some of our clubhouse rooms before, but I kind of see any new platform as almost like an hourglass. So I feel like first you want to post broad, you want to just try a bunch of stuff, you want to see what works and Mm -hmm. you need a little bit of content to put out there before you can go back to look and evaluate and see what was resonating and what wasn't especially on a platform like TikTok, I would say if you find something that works, if you get a viral video, that's where you narrow in, you just go in on it, you recreate it a bunch of times, you add new context to it, you reply to comments with videos, and really kind of blow up your growth that way. But I think also once you have a big enough audience, that's where you can be a bit more broad, because we might be sitting having a conversation, and you might say, Austin, where's that lamp? behind you from, you know, and then I can say, Oh, I've never thought about sharing like home decor before. But like, yeah, this one's actually from Walmart. Like, can you believe it? And then it's like, that opens up a whole new thing that you can do later on, it gives you permission to be a bit more broad, because now people are not just interested in your content, where it's I feel like TikTok and Instagram reels are very top of funnel, where if you see a good reel, you're like, Ooh, that was a good one. Yeah. But, you know, then they really know you. And they're like, oh, that was one of like Kristen's reels. Like that's, I love this from her. And like, now I want to know more about her. I want to hear about like what's going on in her life, what clothes she's loving lately. And that allows you to be a bit more well-rounded at that point. So the question usually is just how much do you want to grow? Because I think I know what I would need to do to like blow up a bit more on a platform like TikTok or reels, but I also just want to stay true to what I want to create and know that right now my business is not really like, you know, coming from those two platforms as much as it's coming from other areas. Yeah. I mean, I think as someone who's self-employed in a field that is challenging, (laughs) I guess would be the best way to put it. Like, you know, we're always like scrounging for the next job, you know, like, so it's easy for all of what we do to become like, so just like pressured and like, oh, well, if I don't do this all the time, then I'm not going to get jobs and I won't be able to pay my bill, you know, like it spirals so quickly. So like, that's something I know for me, like I always struggle with is like, it's so hard for me to like, take a break or like do something that's outside my niche or whatever, because I'm so I'm always so nervous that like, what if people don't like it? And then people don't come anymore. And then, oh my God, I can't pay my bills. And then I have to get another job. You know, like it's, 
it's really hard for people who are self-employed, I think, to like allow themselves space to just like be and not always stick to the script, I guess. I think for me as a self-employed like micro influencer, the big thing for me was making sure also that I was like financially prepared to kind of take that leap. And for sure, I know financial like comfort means different things to different people. But for me, it was like having six months of a safety net ready to go for in case I didn't make any money, setting up kind of those, like I said, those passive income streams. Like I make money passively from affiliates, from my ad revenue, also from digital product sales, you know, that I kind of plug naturally in content I create anyway. So to have those different areas where it was like, okay, at least like, even if I do nothing, I kind of have a baseline of X, then what can I do to get myself to Y, which is like my comfortable place of living expenses. And that's why every time, you know, a brand reaches out and you ask for money, that's why when, you know, someone wants your input and you offer to book a consulting session with them, like this is a business, this is work and it's really hard, creative, sometimes draining work Mm -hmm. that we deserve to be compensated for and that we should always kind of treat like a business, even if it's not one yet. Right. That's probably like my biggest advice to anyone new. That's a really, really great piece of advice because I I was just talking about this recently. I think it was on our most recent episode, how like there's so many creators now, but it almost doesn't worry me at a certain point because like I know so many of those creators that get started, it sucks to say they're not going to end up doing anything with it long term because they get into it being like, oh, this is so fun. I get to like post stuff and get free stuff. And yeah, like it's such a great time. But then they realize like, you know, learning how to do YouTube, learning SEO, having to create three TikToks a day, learning new platforms. Like it's so much work and it's it's not for everyone. And I think it looks so glamorous and so easy from the outside. But then when people get in it, they're like, okay, <laughs> maybe I bit off more than I can chew. It's, it's a lot more than I expected. <laughs> so it, it is important for people to know, like we're not just saying it's a business because like we want people to take us seriously. And like, no, it's literally like, this is a, a straight up business that you're running typically as a one man or one woman show. I think you said it all. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's leave it off on that note. So anyone listening, take that into consideration. Cool. Well, thank you so much. This was really so great. Um, expect a YouTube channel from me soon now <laughs> because I feel like you've officially talked me into it. I don't know. It's it's always something I've been thinking about, but I'm, I'm intimidated by it. But I think I am actually going to look into your workshop because I want to know only what I need to know. (laughs) So I really love that. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds awesome. Well, thank you so much. I have all of Austin's information that you guys will need linked in the description. Go follow her on all of her platforms. And thank you guys. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Social Scoop brought to you by Your Social Mate, where we help entrepreneurial creators learn how to monetize and turn their online influence into a legitimate, profitable, and self-sustaining business. We hope you absolutely love this episode and come back every Tuesday for a new one. If you really enjoyed this episode, feel free to leave us a review here and send us a DM to let us know your favorite part. We're an open book if you ever want to discuss episodes. You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at KBOUSQ. We'll see you next week.